All right, so episode number 306 of the Soul Cruiser Diaries. And it is, uh, what is today? Man, it is a Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday, August the... You know, I should notice because I'm recording this towards the end of the day. So it's the 18th of August, Wednesday. Yeah, and it's been it's been a grand old day. Uh, nothing out of the normal. Did some work for client, mostly making stuff as I do. So that was good. Um, but I've been in this, um, well, since I got back from Wales um, last weekend, um, I've been on this journey of returning back to some old ground. Um some old, I'm going to say old familiar territory, but it's never familiar when you start dealing with the sort of interior, inner wisdom aspects. Um, I take a break from it and stay kind of molded into the, into the world of five senses. And then when I get overloaded with that, then it's time to, you know, sort of retreat and then come back into the whole sort of, uh, spirit realm, mental realm, yeah, catching back into the whole sort of spirit thing. So I've kind of been in that that sort of space. And um, I went through my Kindle to see what stuff I got there and what jumped out out at me is some of my uh, shaman uh, literature. And the one particularly that jumped out and actually started reading was... um, it's called Angel Tech, A Modern Shaman's Guide to Reality Selection by Entero Ali. And it's got a prefix by my man, Robert Anton Wilson, who's one of my favorite authors. So that's cool. It's already got some pluses just from that fact. <laughs> um, and I've had this book for a while. I think I started it and it just wasn't connecting at the time I started it, but now it's it is uh, firing in on all cylinders for me. So uh, it's some it's some good stuff now. So I mean, that happens quite often with books. I mean, I have a gazillion books, and at the time I buy the things, um, they resonate with whatever I'm exploring. Um, but sometimes they just don't connect. I get them for whatever reason that I get them and then I start reading them and just can't get into it. But getting into this angel tech, uh, the timing is right. And it's a, and I'm skip around here. So, and I won't cover it all at once. I'm, I'll bring you up to speed as to where I'm at right now. So angel is code for being of light tech code for art so the whole of that angel tech thing translated according to the author is the art of being light now it's not the typical shaman book so far i mean i've done you know the classics um and i've done the um you know some Taoist shamanist reading of their texts, quite a number of texts on that end. So it's not traditional. In fact, 
you can tell that he hung out with the likes of Timothy Leary and Robert Anton Wilson um, and Christopher Hyatt. You can, you, yeah. If you're familiar with those three authors, um, you'll get a sense of might be where the flavor of Angel Tech might be. Um, so, so far, and I'm only about about 14% into the book, according to my Kindle anyway. Um, so where it goes from where I'm at, um, we shall see. But, I mean, loosely broken down, looking at the table of contents, um, talks about, and it uses this interesting analogy to the school system. So you've got your elementary school, grades one through four, which is the stuff I've been reading about right now. Then you've got this high school, grades five through eight. And then you've got, um, I guess, whatever comes post high school, graduate school, right? So he uses this analogy that he's building up with the where you might be in your development in these different stages. So elementary schools, grade one through four. Um, the first four are about physical survival, emotional survival, conceptual survival, and... Um, did I say conceptual? What did I say? Physical survival, emotional survival, conceptual survival, and social survival is where you're at in your sort of grades one through four. Yeah, that's right. Um, and your high school, grades five through seven, then you start looking at, or you'll be exploring sort of sensory intelligence, psychic intelligence, mythic intelligence, and then spiritual uh, intelligence. Now, reading the update, 2008 update by Antero Ali, um, and he just mentioned, which I thought was interesting, um, the first edition of this book he wrote 23 years ago when he was saying that, you know, now coming to do this edition of it, most of his buddies like Timothy Leary, Robert Anton Wilson, Christopher Hyatt, you know, have all sort of passed away. Most of us have forgotten this and some of us are starting to remember and a few of us are living through the truths. And if you're approaching this work, he's saying that you're probably somewhere in the middle. And I'm thinking, um, as I come back around to this circle in terms of exploring this particular book. And it's probably about right, probably in that that um that middle space between forgetting and living. I like that. And and the timing, as I said, is just right for um delving into this. And I like this, I like this quote. My bias is to approach living as consciously as I can, eyes open through the center and out the other side. And this idea of of waking up to the truth, not being woke. I don't know if I like the whole woke thing, but waking up to the truth, the truth of existence, reality, consciousness. Um 
you know, there's a lot of talk, I think, in this beginning parts of this book about shaking off some of the um the not being dogmatic about the sort of uh, belief systems that may have been may have been what does he say he says um you know sometimes you get caught up in the fact that you get stuck on a particular map so the map as we know is not the territory he mentions um, and if you're into your NLP, you'll know that that's one of one of the concepts they talk a lot about in NLP: the map not being the territory. Um, and what Antero says here is that sometimes you can get lost in the map and forget that the map is only a representation of the reality. You begin to take the map as the reality. Um, Billard wrote about that as well, didn't he? In terms of the simulacra, um, you know, where this whole idea that you know the simulation and the simulacra, you, you know, the simulation becomes so becomes more real than the real, um, and you live in the simulation instead of the sort of reality. Mm. Eight. Seems to be a magic number. I like this. The overtones of music theories in eight, the DNA code, the I Ching, uh, computer binary notation, the eight Mayan calendars, the game of chess. And there's this universal laws of octaves. So a lot of this is broken down in those octaves. In fact, that was, was that the octaves that I was going to talk briefly about? just a moment ago um is that them yeah so there's yeah so in this model survival intelligence uh emotional intelligence symbolic conceptual intelligence social moral intelligence somatic sensory intelligence intuitive psychic intelligence mythic poetic genetic intelligence and a quantum non-local intelligence. Now, one of the first assignments, as he calls it, you know, you got to do my different assignments and then you graduate and keep your way up, was to define, that's the very first exercise is to define intelligence. What does intelligence mean to you in your own words? Um, and I put something like intelligence as a measure of how smart you are or your brain's ability to sort of absorb and solve complex um, problems. And the second part of the exam is, can you increase your intelligence, of which I've answered yes. And the third one was, what's your favorite color? And it was interesting because... I read that just before I left out, and the immediate one was red. But when I came back and re-looked at the questions again, and it was orange. <laughs> so um, that's the color I wrote down in my notes. It's orange as my favorite color. Although black and blue um, rate highly up there uh, as well in terms of <laughs> favorite colors. But it was orange at the time I answered um, the questions. Hmm. 
there was another good uh, piece that I picked up, another concept that I picked up in this uh, very beginning introduction bit. And he says the angel tech, like the universe refers to, is fraught with strange loops. And the strange loop is any event animated by an interplay of contraries. It is a, it is strange for at least two reasons, and the first reason is the more you try and figure it out, the more you get stuck inside, and the second reason, if you stop trying to figure it out and start living it out, the more strange things get. Um, and I can relate to that in that I know that... Um, when life is at its smoothest for me is when I not clenching so tight on my brain and trying to force um, things to happen versus letting go and relaxing and letting things happen and follow um, the lead of the flow. Go with the flow. That's it. When I'm going with the flow, I find that things are good. We're not trying to overthink, overanalyze, uh, be concerned about um, things. When I just go with the flow, life is so much uh, easier and less anxious and uh, much more calm when you just let go. In fact, I bought a hat that said, let that shit go. <laughs> you have to wear that and be remind myself that sometimes about um that but yeah so you know letting letting stuff go and not hanging on too too tightly all right so um and there was something here about how you choose to interpret your reality so whether it's social, cultural imprints, so what and how we were taught and conditioned to believe, think and feel about ourselves in the world, or um, our central nervous system, so what our innate sensitivities register as true for the purpose of coming to our own questions and conclusions. And I would say I do earth on the side of the, you know, coming to my own questions and conclusions. I have a real rebellious streak against um, the things I were taught and conditioned to believe. And it's interesting because I was reading, I'm also reading uh, Jordan Peterson's um, book 12 rules of life and he was mentioning in there about um moral relativism and how moral relativism uh gives you or erodes your purpose and then without purpose you know then life is sort of stagnant doesn't move on you have all sorts of problems without purpose your life becomes meaningless. And I had, you know, and I had considered myself a relativist because I just think the rules are so arbitrary and who gets to make up the rules and 
why do they get to make up the rules and it's right in this instance and it's wrong in that instance. So how can any instance of anything smacking the rules, um, laws or any of that uh, could have any truth or relevance to them because, you know, in essence for me, they felt very arbitrary. But I didn't realize, I never really thought about the downside of not believing into anything or saying everything is relative and therefore, you know, just don't have to accept any um, rules or belief systems and the like, but it creates a vacuum in terms of having a purpose. So even if in that um, for your life you create a set of rules that you follow, that set of rules that you've created for yourself, then gives your life meaning but to have that and not get stuck on the fact that you know actually they're meaningless because somebody else has a different set of rules and their rules are right according to them yeah so your entrance exam at the end of the introduction is what is intelligence defining your own words According to your definition of intelligence, can intelligence be increased, accelerated, or realized? And what is your favorite color? And basically it's saying how you define your terms determines the degree of direct knowledge accessible to yourself. So, you know, when you get to that space and believing that you create your own reality by your thoughts, then how you define the terms for yourself shapes the scope of what your experience is going to be because you paint the box to which you are going to uh to live in if you make that a very limiting box well we'll have a very limiting life limiting experiences um your life might not be as colorful if you paint that box small and define your terms in such a way that you limit yourself, whereas you eliminate your uh, limiting beliefs, eradicate them, reduce them, and then you can have a much more um, fulfilled, fulfilling uh, experience of life. So it says our definitions are tested daily as a way to check our resonance with the spiritual. So we discover which images accurately reflect what is and which do not. And if we remain attached to an idea after it's revealed unreflective of truth, we begin living a lie and compound our suffering. Um, and you do see this, don't you? I mean, you just see some people become very dogmatic around a, an idea, even though it may not be reflective of the truth anymore is what they believe, and they don't know what else to believe. They don't know who to be without that uh, particular belief system. So they just go on uh, living this lie. And I like this concept. Attachment to anything dead or dying creates pain. So. If you were given the choice between dying a slow death or passing through quick decay, which would you select? Slow death or quick decay? And I chose quick decay. Now, let's get this over with, man. Don't want to have no slow death. Why would you want to hang on? <laughs> I don't want to hang on to 
nothing. It's like, yeah, man, get on with the game. I like it. Part two to your exam. Another one. Are you willing to dedicate your life to the living out of your definitions until they stop working? Yes, no, or other for yes for me. In the event of the collapse of your definitions, are you willing to adjust and, if need be, release them entirely in order to grow receptive to your next evolutionary phase of intelligence? You're sounding yes for me. And what is your favorite brand of beer? <laughs> what did I put down for that? I put down Foster's. Um, and again, that changes for me. Foster's is currently it, but... Uh, I could go for Molson's Golden right now or Corona. Mm, would easily fit into <laughs> that space. And the best beer of all, free beer. Yeah. But the one beer, even if it's free, that's most disgusting. And I know that wasn't the question. It's Rolling Rock, just for the record. Let's get that on the record. Now, the definition that Angel Tech and Antero is using for defining intelligence in very generic terms is that it is your thoroughness by which you're able to absorb, organize, and communicate information and or energy. So say that again, it's the thoroughness by which you're able to absorb, organize, and communicate information and energy. So that's the definition, the generic definition of intelligence that um, is used in the book here and Tarot uses um, for, which I like that one. And and it, it, it jives with um, some of the other stuff I'm doing with the personal acknowledgement, uh, personal knowledge management systems, which is about absorbing or seeking, then organizing that, so sense-making, and then sharing, or in this case, communicating. So interesting. I like it. So then there's this concept uh, that he talks about um, your, your reality map. So our programs, so these programs that you have initially um, are definitions from your parents, your teachers, culture, mass media, uh, and stuff that you assimilated from friends and colleagues and along the line. Um, and this network of definitions makes up the map we automatically use to describe the world we live in. So your reality map. And I was asking myself the question, what is my current reality map? Now, Antero argues that about 23% of our map belongs to us, the individual, with the remaining 77% dictated by others. Now, I don't really like um, those percentages, but, you know, again, if you think about how do you ever know anything in education and being trained and educated from, you know, kindergarten all the way through to university and beyond, you're picking up your knowledge from others um and so how do you know in and of that what is it true because people are saying it's true because some people wrote some stuff in a book or is it true because you know it's true 
Not a shadow of a doubt. So the book is going to take us through. The promise of the book is to help individuals reclaim um, their definitions within these eight constructs, the physical sense, emotional bias, conceptual framework, social rituals, sensory pleasure, psychic perspective, mythic synchronicities, and spiritual being. Um, One note that he makes here is that if there's something in our lives that doesn't work anymore, doesn't mean there's something wrong with who you are because you're not the program. So all these programmings that you have, when you start exploring them, if you come across the programs, the programs you've been programmed in, uh, and you've discovered that, yeah, actually it's broken. It's not you that's broken. It's the program that's broken. So, and the good news story is, um, conscious of that fact, then you're able to, you know, just reprogram yourself, basically. Okay, so I think I think I'm going to end it there. So that's essentially the introduction to this this work, Angel Tech, a modern shaman, shaman's guide to reality um, selection, and I'll continue to work my way through this um, and share my thoughts here as I go along. Um, yeah, I think that, I think that's a good, good place to, to crash for uh, this episode. And I'll put a link to the book in the show notes. Um, yeah, and I'll keep you abreast of my progress with this and share some of the things that I may end up experimenting with uh, as I work my way through the book. All right, I think that's going to be it for me now. I'm going to hit the stop button. And I shall catch you in another time.